Good thing I checked. All right. Hosea chapter 12 today. We're going to, uh, we started last week and went through uh, the first page on your handout. And we're going to kind of go through that real quick in a minute and then finish the second half up uh, or the second side of that sheet this morning. So Hosea chapter 12 says, Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind, and he daily increaseth lies and desolation. And they do make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways, and according to his doings will he recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel, and he prevailed. He wept, he made supplication unto him, and he found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Verse 6, Therefore turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. He is a merchant, the balances of deceit are in his hand, he loveth to oppress. And Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich, I have found me out substance in all my labors, they shall find none iniquity in me that were sin. And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are vanity. They sacrifice bullocks in Gilgal. Yea, their altars are as heaps in the furrows of the fields. And Jacob fled into the country of Syria. And Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. And by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved. And Ephraim provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore shall he leave his blood upon him, and his reproach shall his Lord return unto him. Now, this chapter is basically like a verse that a typical man would write because he can't keep on the subject. He keeps bouncing from one subject to another to another. Now, I'm kidding here because I know the Lord put this, told Hosea what to write, but we're going from context to context to context, and it keeps changing, and that's probably why a lot of people do not like the book of Hosea and even the Minor Prophets because that happens a lot. And, it's, and when I first started outlining the book of Hosea, the first part's really easy. I could outline, and I'm not the best outliner, but when you get to some of these chapters, it's, it's almost impossible because every verse, the context changes. And so we kind of saw that last week. So let me real quickly go over uh, last week's, uh, what we talked about last week in the handout, and then we'll get right to where we need to be. It says, uh, the beginning of Hosea chapter 12 handout, says the Lord had a controversy with Ephraim. And that's what this whole chapter is about. The Lord has a controversy with, e with the Ephraim, the ten northern tribes, and he also has one with Judah, which we're going to find out about. And number one, he says, for making covenants, for making covenants with the Assyrians and with the Egyptians. And I don't think God was so upset with, with, the, with Judah and with uh, the northern kingdoms having trade with these, these countries. But he was upset when they started serving their gods and started using these countries for protection instead of coming to him. Okay? 
And so that's really what God is upset. They, they are putting their trust back in the Egyptians, back in, with the Assyrians, or in their gods. Okay? And so uh, these covenants were likened to the wind, expressly east wind. And we talked about that last week, that it says it was a vehement wind. And I always thought it would be a blustery, you know, a vehement was a blustery, just 40 mile, 60 mile an hour wind. But we really find out it's kind of a, more of a soft, sultry, hot, dusty, dry wind. That's what it was. So we talked about that. And then we talked about Ephraim's deceitful traits, that he daily increaseth lies and desolation. How would you like God describing you like that? Uh, Bob Hall, he just he's a liar, and every day he lies and tops the lies he did the day before. Maybe I do, I don't know, but I hope that's not what comes out. It, but it says that Ephraim's like that. He daily increaseth lies, and desolation or destruction is, is basically at his feet. And he's, de- he's a deceitful merchant, and uh, it's, it started... Out the country, the northern kingdom started out as an agricultural type center, and now that they are become merchants, and not just any merchant, they're like deceitful merchants. And so it's basically almost 20th century Christianity where everything's about me. I want more, I want more, I want more. You know? And you go to Culver's and you want it right now. I mean, Culver's is pretty good, they get it out real fast. But that's why I don't go to Taco Bell, because when I go to Taco Bell right next door to Culver's, it could take 30 minutes getting your order, and it's like you just ordered two tacos. It's because they're watching over to Culver's. Is that what it is? I know what it is. It's because Culver's has the best employees. Yeah, you can, you can pay me afterwards. But I'm just throwing out things that we know, okay? And so... But but they became merchants and they became became deceitful merchants is what the Lord's talking about and then the, and then the Lord doesn't just stop with the Ephraim or the ten northern uh, tribes he now he, he starts picking on Judah too and he says God's going to punish Judah for their sins and he starts to use Jacob as an example and you're sitting here and you go through the book of Hosea chapter twelve and you're in that and you're like no wait a minute we're talking to the northern kingdoms why is he bringing up Judah, and why is he bringing up Jacob? And what's the big deal about Jacob? And he's just, why is he throwing him out here? Well, he's using him for an example. And we're going to see that as we go through it. And it talks about God will punish Judah for their sins. And Jacob, who represents Judah, was once right with God. Okay? Now, would that be Israel? That would be, that would be Judah. Judah? Yeah, because the ten northern tribes are usually called Israel. I know, this is confusing. So Jacob represents Judah and Benjamin, and Ephraim in in, in the book of Hosea is representing the ten northern tribes, which is Israel. And yet they're all Israel. So again, you got to watch the context. So, and I think he brings about Jacob, and I want you to be thinking about this. I think he brings up Jacob because Jacob was also a deceiver, and he was also a liar and uh, I think he's wanting to bring them up and say guys pay attention to what Jacob did because he did something happened with Jacob he was like you but something happened to him I think that was what he's trying to make a note of and then at the end of, or at the bottom of your handout Hosea chapter 12 3 and 4 
I felt I put all the context out there. He, Jacob, took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his, Jacob's, strength, he, Jacob, had power with God. Yea, he, Jacob, had power over the angel and prevailed. He, Jacob, wept and made supplication to him, unto him. And who's the him? It's the angel of the Lord there. And we found, and we also noticed that that supplication there means prayer. So he 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 prayed unto. This is not just any angel here. He's talking to God. And he, Jacob, found him, the angel of the Lord, in Bethel. And there he, Jacob, spake with us. And I just want to ask the question, who was the us there? The Trinity. It was the Trinity. Because there's how many people were there when Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord? Two. You got Jacob and you got the angel of the Lord. And it's funny because it doesn't say, it says he, he, he spoke to us, a reference to the Trinity. And like I suspected, I went and looked at other Bible versions and they take that out because that can't be there. Same thing that Origen did at the very beginning. He had the Bible and he went through it and he saw things he didn't like, so he just took a marker and marked that dude off. Okay? All right. So I'm talking to the choir. Second page here. So Hosea chapter 12, verse 5, we have all three persons of the Trinity. Let's read that. It says, Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. In that passage, we have all three, ver- all three names of, of God. We've got, we've got uh, let's read it. We've got the Lord, we've got the God of hosts, and we got the Lord. And you go, no, wait a minute. You just put Lord in there twice. Uh, five. Thank you. And so if you want to study that out a little bit farther, you can, let me find my notes here. He would go back. Let's, let's go back to Deuteronomy six four. Because you guys really don't care if we get done with this today, do you? I do though. Uh, Deuteronomy six four says this. Let's see if I got the right <laughs> passage here. It says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord." Kind of the same play on words that we see back in Hosea. And if we dug through this, and I had the time to do it, we'll see the Trinity basically laid out in that verse. Okay? You got the Lord, you got God, and you got one Lord. And you're like, no, wait a minute, what's that mean? When you start breaking that down, you'll find out it is a reference to the Trinity. Okay? So if you want to get into some deep Bible study sometime, just... Pull those two verses out, get your concordance out, and then start going through things, and you'll, and God will start showing you some stuff. But for right now, I'm just telling you, that's a reference to God. Okay? I usually don't do that. I usually show you where, but I did show you where, so you can do that on your own. Okay? So, therefore, back in Hosea, he says, Turn thou to thy God... Keep mercy and judgments and wait on God continually. We saw that in verse 6. Now that's just right after he told them what Jacob did and who the Lord did. And all of a sudden he says, So therefore turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgments and wait on thy God continually. And then in verse 7 it jumps back again to Ephraim and says he's a merchant. And then in verse uh 
9, it says, And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. So again, we're seeing the context keeps jumping almost from verse to verse. Okay, And so God's words on what he will do, we see, pop up in verse 9. Okay? It's because God says, okay, you've been saying what you're going to do, Jacob. In fact, let's go back and look at it. Verse 8. Because don't trust me. This, let's take a look at it. It says, and Ephraim said, yet I am become rich. Who's going to become rich? Ephraim. And I have found me out substance. And in all my labors, they shall find none iniquity in me that were sin. And he goes, basically, you can't prove anything. You can't prove nothing on me. Uh, I got everything hid real well. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Um, he, but he keeps saying I. It's, the context is I. And then in verse 9, we have this context changes over to God. And God says, and I. Okay, you told me what you're going to do, Ephraim. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And I, that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. And verse 10, he says, And I, or it just says, I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. So we saw what Ephraim was doing, and God says, Okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do. So God's words in verse 9 are on what he's going to do. What do we call that in the, in the Bible class? We have a word for that. When God says what he's going to do. Prophecy. Prophecy. We call that prophecy. Okay? So that goes in your blank. God's words on what he will do, we call this prophecy. And he says, I will make thee to dwell in tabernacles. That's future. That's future. That's a prophecy. Now, B, it says, I will and have sent prophets. Amos 3, 7, Revelation 10, 7, uh, Revelation 19, John 16, 13. Of course, you know, maybe we should all go there and look because, again, don't trust me. We're going to go back to the Word of God. So go over a couple pages to the right to Amos 3 and verse, chapter 3 and verse 7. And this is a really good verse to circle in your Bible, to highlight it if you have a highlighter. Um, I don't know. Can you highlight? Can you highlight that dude on your on your phone there, Mark? Yeah, I don't know how. I don't. You need to get a book, man. <laughs> okay, I'm picking on you. <laughs> okay, Amos three seven says, "Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets." God always reveals what he is going to do before he does it. That's why the Christian is told in the New Testament to watch what is happening. That's why it's so important to know what's going on around the world. And you just can't do that on the, on the nightly news. Let me give you a little, a little feedback on that. If you go, oh, I watched all three of the major news ch- channels, I know exactly what's going on. No, you don't, because they're all the same. Okay? I'll stop peddling here. But he goes, 
He's always going to reveal what he's going to do. Okay? He always reveals it by his word, by his prophets. Turn over to Revelation 10.7. says everybody there revelation 10 7 says but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel so what's the context here the seventh angel the trib we are in the trib in this passage but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel and that we're getting towards the end of the trib too right because how many how many uh angel sound is that the trumpet is I'm assuming that's a trumpet sounding. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the what? The prophets. So at the end of the trib, when that angel's getting ready to sound that last trumpet, almost at the very end, it's all been foretold because the prophets foretold of it. Okay? So turn over in your Bible to chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 10. And it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God always reveals what he's going to do through his word and through the spirit and through prophecy. Okay? And so... um, he, he sends his prophets. Now, at the very beginning, when we started out Hosea, we talked about how God communicated to his prophets. So under C there, you have God communicates to his prophets. First of all, how? Uh, first of all, something else. Oh, I'm putting you all to the test because if you were here, how long ago has that been? That's been several months back. How did he talk to Moses? How did he talk to Adam? In person, face to face. Okay, so first of all, he talks to his prophets in person. Okay, so back to Hosea. I hope you've kept your finger there. Hosea, he says, verse 10, I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. So, number one, he spoke to them in person, and then he communicated to them by visions. So, visions goes in your second blank, and yet this passage in Hosea chapter 12 and verse 10 is one of the places that we go to prove this. So, when you hear somebody get up here and open open their mouth and say, God talked to his, his prophets by 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 face to face by visions and by dreams the visions the verse they're going to use is probably this one right here in Hosea okay so he talked to them in visions and then by dreams remember daniel how did he get his knowledge from the lord 
How did he get his... By, by dreams. And specifically when Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. And he wanted the interpretation of that. Nobody could do that. In fact, his, his, his wise men came in and said... Because basically Nebuchadnezzar says... I, I dreamed a dream, and I want you guys to interpret it for me, because I want to know what, I don't know if he used God or the gods have sent to me. And they said, okay, show us the dream. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. You guys are so smart, you tell me the dream and what it means. And they told him, there's not a man alive that can do this. But Daniel comes, and he can do it, but even then he gives the credit back to God. God does it. But it gave it to him because he was a godly man. Okay? And he was a prophet. He always reveals to his prophets. Okay? And so Daniel is that man. And I got to thinking, you know, he got, I was looking at Daniel and he got some of his visions at night and it called them night visions. You know what the Bible calls that? Dreams. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So, and then in verse, in verse 10 it says, uh, let me go back and read it. It says, I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used... What's it say next? Similitudes. Similitudes. Okay? And so, God also uses similitudes to teach us things. And, and I basically said that at the beginning of Hosea, when Hosea was told to marry a prostitute for a wife, and I said, basically, God is giving Hosea an object lesson. Well, that's a similitude. How many of you in, in here use similitude in your vocabulary? Anybody? We do it all the time without thinking about it. Do you use the word, though? No, not Or do you use the word like maybe an object lesson? Or a likeness. Or a likeness. Okay. So... Yeah, because we don't, we don't use the word similitude. But what is a similitude? It's basically using something as an example. And the words like and as, and we've studied that. That's a word that you'll study in D2, uh, things you need to watch. And verse 9, let's go back and look at verse 9. I think we should, you should have read on B, John sixteen thirteen. That's a very important Oh, point. at the end of the prophets? Yes. Okay, so let's go there. I just flat went over that. Because it's talking to, uh, I mean, it's talking to the church age. Okay. John sixteen thirteen. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So that's why the, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is the spirit of prophecy. So when we want to find prophecy, it's going to be the Holy Spirit revealing that to us through his word. Okay? So, back where we were. Thank you for that, Sharon. In verse 9, God says that he will yet make them to dwell in tabernacles. Let's go back and look at it. I've got to get back to Hosea. Because I'm going to try to prove a point here. Hang with me. Verse 9 says, And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles. What's the next word? As, there's your similitude right there, 
Isn't that interesting? He just says in the verse behind it, he's going to use similitudes. And here he's using one in the verse right in front of it, as in the days of the solemn feast. Now, this happened partly under Ezra. That's in your notes there. But it will be completely fulfilled at the second coming when the Lord comes and he reestablishes the land and he'll put the Jews back in the land. Okay? Now, many times, I'm going to... I uh, don't have a lot of time to deal with this today, but many times God uses similitudes to teach on the second coming. So you want to know your little golden nugget today? Underline that. Many times God uses similitudes to teach on the second coming. Okay? And I've got some examples here. First of all, it's the sun in, Ma- in the book of Malachi. So let's turn over to Malachi, just a few pages over to the right. Malachi chapter 4. And let's look at verses 1 and 2 says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. What's our context? Second coming. Okay. And all the proud, yea, both all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the sun, notice how the word sun is spelled, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow as the calves of the stall. So we have here is the, the word sun is like what? It's like Christ when he comes back. It's a similitude to say that when Christ comes back, he's going to be like the sun. And if we study the minor prophets out in one of the other books, Zechariah, we see the route that Christ comes back. And when he comes back to sit down on the, on the, uh, on the uh, Mount of Olives, we will be with him. And the, the route is from Egypt going up the same way they went when, when, the, when they came in the first time under Moses and Joshua. And here's what's interesting. In the book, in the Minor Prophets, it says that everything before Christ and his church as they're going there is going to be green. And everything behind them will be burnt to a crisp. Okay? He is, his presence will be like the sun. Okay, so again, an object lesson. Okay, again, context, second coming. Now let me back up here for a minute. Who did I say uh, dreamed the dream that Daniel had to interpret? Nebuchadnezzar. And remember the dream that he dreamed about the, all the kingdoms and the colossal man? I thought that was uh, Belshazzar. No. Nope. Belshazzar. No. Pharaoh? No, it's Nebuchadnezzar. Who threw him in the lion's den. Who was that? Uh, that, that that's that's a different king. That might have, but that was with. Um, what do I want to say here? That's Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I got to go back and do my homework it's a little bit. Isn't it? You got yeah, it is Nebuchadnezzar here, but the lion the guy, the lion uh, is a different king. You are right. That is a different king. It may be Darius. But when Nebuchadnezzar is the one that dreamed the dream with the colossal man with all the kingdoms. Okay. Okay? So, back to my point. God uses similitudes many times 
to prove something at which event in history? The second coming. So when we see the words like and as and and God using something to explain something else, pay attention because a lot of times there will be a second coming reference in there. So I'm giving you a little info here. Okay, The moon. The next one on your list. Uh, If you're writing notes down, you can look at that. The Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 10. Matthew 13, 43. The moon is a picture of the church. And so God uses the moon as an example, as a similitude, as a as a object lesson of what the church is. And when you think about it, the moon does not provide its own light, does it? It's the light off of what? The sun. And guess what? We don't have our own light in us either. We're lit with Christ. And so the more we look at it, the more we'll see that these these object lessons, these similitudes, and they'll have as or like in them, okay? The references to that was the Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 10. In fact, let's go look at that. Song of Solomon. Chapter 6 and verse 10. Says, everybody there? Okay, 610 says, Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun? There's that word as. as how many times is as in there? As the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. So we have a reference there. So that was my first reference. Now turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43. Yeah, chapter 13, 43. There is no Matthew 14, 33, is there? Okay, I'm going to have to find my other reference back for that. It's 13.43. Now, I said 14, but maybe it is 13. I thought you said 13. Did I really? You're right. It is. I just can't read my own writing. 13.43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Now, who's the righteous? The righteous is the church. Okay. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now again, you've got to have to put some of these together. But the church is likened as the moon and it gets its light from the sun. Okay? The church shines forth the sun's light. And that's a a beautiful picture of the church, okay? And then we have night watches here. What are night... And again, in this context that we just read, in both of them, the context is the second coming. Over and over. So, I'm just showing you some of these things that I've been picking up. as As you see some of these similitudes, when God uses similitudes or examples, 
a lot of times you'll find out it has a second coming reference. Because really, we think about the most important day in our, in our life is what? Birthday, maybe. <laughs> well, I would say the day we got saved. Okay. So in our life, we keep thinking the day we got saved. But what's the most important day in God's life that He's looking at? And the whole Bible, it's the second coming. Everything points to the second coming. Everything just is, is that is the day that he's looking forward to. It's when Christ sits on the throne and he is God. He takes over what is rightfully his. Now that's also a good day for us to look forward to too because we're going to be there. So uh, night watches, let me give you a couple of references to that. Isaiah 21, 11 and 12. And then Mark 13, verse 43. Mark what? I have Mark 13, 43. That's interesting because I just gave you on the other one, Matthew 13, 43. I have to go back and double check that. So I'm running out of time, so I'm going to give you some references and maybe we'll look at this again as we start next week. The stars are a similitude... And you'll see those in Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 3. And again, the key word will be as. Okay, go back and look at that this week. The Sabbath, we see in Genesis chapter 2, is the, is the whole week uh, pictures the 6,000 years and the Sabbath is the millennium. And it'll go back. And again, the words will be as, you'll see this. And then we have the Feast of Israel. And if you really want to study the second coming, the tribulation and all the incoming times, study the Feast of Israel because that's when we're going to find a lot of things in it. And that's, I gave you all a handout. And you have this. I got this uh, years ago from Randy. And I haven't figured it all out yet, okay? But... We have the spring holidays, the fall holidays. These are the holidays of the Jewish people. And in the first four, we see we're basically fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, what they all represent. And the second coming we're going to see take place uh, during the time span of basically the trumpets, the tabernacles, and the Day of Atonement. So we believe, according to the Bible, the Bible teaches that when Christ comes back, it will be during the fall, during this holiday, during this feast. But the rapture is kind of not really listed on here. I don't really see it. And so uh, the rapture, as far as I am concerned, can happen anytime. But you'll have some people say, well, it's going to be in the spring or it's going to be in the fall. Here's what I do know for sure. When Christ comes back, it will be in these fall holidays. But that, again, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to study that out myself. So uh, you want some study? Kind of go through this chart and you'll see how the Passover, the first fruits, and Pentecost, all that holiday was basically full, or shown in what Christ did. And this chart will kind of show you that. Okay, so that's interesting. So let me kind of run through this real quick, the very last statement here. God uses the history of Jacob to teach the northern tribes that Jacob, he, he got right with God at the very spot that they were in apostasy, at Bethel. 
He's using Jacob as an example for the northern kingdoms to say Jacob was a schemer. He was a liar. He, he, was, he was all in for him. But he obeyed my voice and he got right with me. And if he could do it, you guys can do it. He's using it as an example to the people in Hosea saying, guys, you're just like Jacob, but Jacob got right. And since he got right, you can get right. And so they could have turned back to him at any time, but yet we know they continued to run all the way to the scene of the crash till they were carried into captivity. So let's let's pray, and next week I may go through. If you guys want to study these, some of these uh, similitudes out, these object lessons, I say, uh, from the sun to the, the Feast of Israel, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit next week. Harold Hatman, when he, before they left the church, he did a study on the feasts on Sunday nights. Okay. It was really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's the feasts that have the, the that have kept the Jewish nation together all these years. They have no idea. They don't believe the Bible. Now they're not much different than us. They don't believe the Bible. The Jewish people do not believe it. Most of them do not. It just blows my mind. They don't believe the Old Testament even. But get what get this, they still keep the feast. They keep what? The feast. They keep the feast. The holidays. The feast. They they keep all those. They keep all those. But they don't know why. If you ask a Jewish person why they celebrate the feast, they have no idea. It's just like us going uh, celebrating Memorial Day. Most Americans do have no idea what Memorial and Veterans Day are. They just think it's a day to go to lake. Yeah. What was it started for? To remember those people that died in service or those people that are still in service. That's what the two holidays are for. But see, they just we've, we, we've blown over that. The Jewish people are no different. They, they hang around food just like Baptists do. But they're, they're still held together as a group because of the feast and because of the traditions. So let's pray and we'll move forward. and We'll uh, get to Nick, chapter 13 next week. Maybe go through a couple of these little things next week and go from there. So Father in heaven, I, I just come before you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for those little golden nuggets in your word. I pray that we would see those, that we would uh, just, our faith in you would continue to grow and we would live it out in our life. And I pray you give each one in here a good week this week and just, Lord, uh, protect us, keep us safe, and bring us back again next week and and just help us in in our walk with you. In Christ's name, amen. All right. We'll be in here.